This is the Six Clicks Podcast. Risk management, governance, compliance and cybersecurity news and opinion from the industry's best. Hi everybody, it's Stephen Walter here. Thanks for coming back and joining us. Uh, we are continuing our FinCEN Files series this week. Uh, this was the huge revelation that over 2,000 suspicious reports uh, were highlighted, very, very secretive, that have lit newsrooms and companies up right around the world. Over $2.7 trillion of dirty money laundering headed straight through banks right around the world. More than $200 million of that passing through banks here in Australia. So to help shed some more light, we have Sean Cody, who is the CEO of InSync, joining us this week. Sean, thank you very much for popping on Six Clicks TV. Uh, one quick question to start off. Uh, the internal reports, the suspicious activity or uh, suspicious matter reports here in Australia are uh, created by the banks themselves. So uh, what are the key reasons that banks don't always act upon them to stop criminal funds being laundered in the first place? There are three key reasons. Um, the first, I would say, is that the threshold to submit an SMR is quite low. Banks are legally obliged to submit a report if they have a reasonable suspicion, which is a long way short of other legal thresholds like the balance of probabilities in a civil case or beyond reasonable doubt for criminal matters. Um, this means banks have to report on many things where it could be problematic to take further action even though there is something there to create suspicion. Um, product owners are very wary, very resistant to throwing away revenue just because the fin crime team thinks something smells bad. The second reason is that banks historically have not always been resourced or focused on filling in the missing information beyond that suspicion. Um, there's often a view that Austrac or another committed agency will come back to the bank and seek more information if required. So beyond doing enhanced customer due diligence and putting heightened monitoring in place, banks may not feel the need to take any further action. And without odds track pushing, no one else usually is. The third main reason um, is ironically risk appetite, which is shifting. Um, historically, and the FinCEN papers are yet another example of this, um, banks have been reluctant to lose transactions unless their continued association with the parties involved kind of led to a direct regulatory scrutiny um, or major reputational damage. After all, we've seen banks do the right thing, kicking out organised crime groups and all their cash, only to see another bank take them up. Um, the competing forces of commercial need, or maybe greed in many cases, has been stronger than the regulatory or reputational risk. Of course, that is now slowly changing. Um, recent cases have shown the outsized cost of reputational damage to careers, to share price, to industry trust. Um, the broader shift to corporate social responsibility is also pushing things along. Uh, consumers don't want uh, to bank with bad banks. Sean, you've been an AML compliance officer at a tier two bank before, so you know this uh, very well, obviously. Uh, what do you think the biggest challenge is for financial crime teams that are trying to comply with the law and support the financial objectives of the organisation? Well, it is not that the will from the board or the exec is not there. Everyone will tell you that they don't want to directly or indirectly support money laundering, terrorism financing, tax evasion or other offences covered by SMRs in particular. The biggest challenge in my experience 
including several years as a corporate and organised crime investigator, is the adequacy of financial crime prevention and detection system design and the ongoing effectiveness of its operation. In other words, banks have the right intentions but then build systems with too many holes in them and then, then allow those systems to continue until there's a burning platform. Now we have seen a few burning platforms. Uh, many banks are rightly revisiting their designs and operations. They don't want to be the next and no one wants to be facilitating child exploitation. It's a powerful motivator. Sean, I know you don't have a lot of time, but uh, we'll wrap it up with this final question. Uh, for you, what do you think would be one piece of key advice that you'd like to give boards or execs right now around anti-money laundering? The one thing I'd highlight is that AML and CTF is a risk-based regime, which needs both an understanding of your exposure and your appetite to invest enough to manage that exposure relative to your overall franchise and brand. And like other financial crimes where the bank generally loses the money, AML CTF is where others in society effectively lose money. With the shift in societal trust, increased reputational risk and increased regulatory activity, now is the time to get an independent assessment of not just your AML capability, but also a meaningful roadmap to get it to where it needs to be. Amazing stuff. Sean Cody, CEO at InSync. Thank you very much for joining me this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for checking in to the Six Clicks podcast. Get in touch with us anytime at sixclicks.io or find us on your favourite socials. Six Clicks, global risk management, compliance and ISMS capability software. Sixclicks.io.